0: Good morning, church. Good morning. What a beautiful day. Good morning. Yeah, I love to hear that. We want to welcome you online, welcome you here in person. I um, want to thank you for being here. Um, oh, I stole the good morning. Sorry. I'm learning. Hey, I want to thank you guys. Hopefully you have received this magnet. Raise your hand if you have a magnet. Click a like on the, on the online if you have a magnet. If you don't, make sure that uh, we know how to get these two. We want you to have this. I'm really excited about doing this initiative of who is uh, my neighbor or the art of neighboring together with uh, uh, Dallas Church and Village Church. It's really exciting for me to be back here at home. It feels like home. Coming here kind of feels like going to mom's house for the holidays where you come home, you're taken care of. Like, I can't tell how many people ask me, how are you doing? Can I get you anything? Uh, Last week, we even got to go to Jackie's and she fed us, which is the best part about being home. Uh, (laughs) It was awesome. It was awesome. I want to thank you. Those of you who don't know, uh, I'm Mike. I'm the pastor of Village Church, and we are the daughter of Dallas Church. So um, years ago, uh, the Baumans and the Millers moved to Oregon to help start Dallas Church. And uh, through just the beauty of what ministry does, three years later, Dallas Church sent us to plant a church to share the gospel in the Corvallis area. And here we are this October, be nine years. Isn't that awesome? Nine years. Nine years. Wow. So um, we are in this series about the art of neighboring, and this is rooted very deeply in, in uh, our partnership in ministry, in that we believe that the good news of Jesus Christ transforms neighborhoods. And we believe that Jesus Christ inside of people, the Holy Spirit transforms people. And God tells us that his plan for bringing God's kingdom to earth, as it is in heaven, is for us. To love each other. That's his plan A. And he hasn't given us any indication that he has a plan B. So he believes in us. He's trusting us. And when Jesus was asked, you know, it's almost like when you read the context of this, it says that they, they were trying to trip him up. And they asked him, what's the most important of all the commandments? Jesus does a couple things. He does something interesting. He calls back to the original Ten Commandments. And he adds to it. Or he explains it. When he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And and the second is just like it. They didn't ask him for what's the second, but he added it, because it's its equal, is to love your neighbor as yourself. So today we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to love your neighbor? And if you're taking this seriously, if you're taking this seriously, one week in, you have already realized that there are barriers that come up. (laughs) There are, there are things that will hinder you from, last week we were asked to learn our neighbor's names and write them on here. And some of those barriers are real. They exist, and you're not a bad person or a bad Christian because you have run into a barrier. It means you're human. We're going to talk about the biggest barrier today that we run into. Here's a couple barriers that I run into. Um, I want you to be careful when you're writing names on here that you use their actual name. Okay? Don't use the name that maybe you and your family kind of use to talk about that one specific neighbor, like Mr. Stinky Teeth. Like, don't use that. Like, we have a neighbor, when I was growing up, we had a neighbor, he was a very peculiar man, he was older, and he had his, his house was like forest green and his grass was perfectly manicured and green and he painted his sidewalk and his concrete driveway green and he drove a green Ford LTD car, like so much green. And when we would play in the yard, we would throw our Frisbees and throw the ball, and, and if it got into his yard, he would run out his front door, grab our ball in the Frisbee, and take it inside. Yeah. So we in the neighborhood, and I wouldn't write this here now, I would have then, but we in the neighborhood called him Mr. Grumpy. That's what we called him. We just knew him as that. And I was like seven years old, and, and I've always been, like, compassionate. And, like, I, I felt bad for him that he's just known that no one really knows this guy. He's probably a good person. And we're sitting down. I'm sitting on the curb with my sister, and I remember my dog is there. And uh, Mr. Grumpy comes out to water his lawn, and I just felt compassion for the guy. And I waved my hand from across the street, and I yelled, Hi, Mr. Grumpy! I literally thought that was his last name, so I'm feeling doubly sad for how unfortunate. Like, this guy is grumpy, and his name is Mr. Grumpy. And my sister just punched me. <laughs> that's not his name. And I'm like, you t- that's all you've ever called him. How am I to know that's not his name, Mr. Grumpy? I learned his name is Mr. Downing. I can say that now, because I'm confident that he's no longer with us 40 years later. But uh, that's a barrier. Our preconceived notions of our neighbors. And what do we call them? That's a barrier to loving your neighbor. Because I believe every neighborhood has a Mr. Grumpy. I believe that. Every neighborhood, if you go in this, you have someone that's Mr. Grumpy. And let me, hold on. If you're saying, uh, my neighborhood doesn't have a Mr. Grumpy, um, you might be Mr. Grumpy. (laughs) You could be. It could be. I tell you, I am Mr. Grumpy in my neighborhood, believe it or not. Some of you are like, yeah, I get that. I've known you for 10 years. Of course you are. But, And, and, and I just, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I am Mr. Grumpy in my neighborhood. It's this guy's fault. Show that first picture. That's, it's his fault. This is Samson. This is our dog. He's a Cheweenie and he's lovable, and he's cuddly, and he's loyal. He's just a wonderful dog. But when he first meets you, if anyone's been to my home, you are assaulted by the barking of this dog. And this little cute thing may look like this. (laughs) In your face. And you know what I believe? I believe he's a good dog. And so here's what I believe what he's saying, but he's saying it really loudly. I'm so glad you're here, welcome to our home, it's open to everyone, make yourself at home. But it actually sounds like I'm going to murder you. (laughs) And when we ever open the door, see we live on the street where people love to walk back and forth and we have a walking neighborhood, lots of people walk, and as soon as that door opens and he sees someone, it's like all bets are off, he just boom and he starts barking. He has made me Mr. Grumpy. He has made me Mr. Grumpy. He created a barrier for me to love my neighbor. That barrier is like now I have to humble myself. Every time I talk to a neighbor, I'm anticipating apologizing for my sweet, sweet dog who we love so much and is just a jerk to my neighbors. <laughs> These are real barriers. But there's one barrier that we all have, and if you're working this, you've probably run into it, and it's some version of, uh, I have no idea where I'm gonna find the time to do what you're asking me to do with this. It's some version of that. It's it's a version of, of I don't have the time that says, um, I just, when I get home, I'm just too tired. I can't imagine. Or I have so many relationships in my life that need maintenance. I can't imagine uh, finding a way to have a new friend. Or my work is so busy that how am I going to have time to be kind to my neighbor? Or to love my neighbor, have a relationship with my neighbor? Some of you had a hard time finding time to actually learn your neighbor's name. Some of you understand Google, and you did it real quick. But we're going to ask you why we want, we're going to answer the question, why do we want you to know your neighbor's name here today? And we're going to talk about the time barrier. So let's pray, and we'll get into the art of neighboring. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have brought us together today, both churches together. And God, I know there are other people that aren't part of our churches that are watching online, and I I just want to thank you for bringing all of us together to learn something and to grow in community and in friendship and in faith, that we can learn something new about you today, because when we approach you like this, with humility and open hearts, you transform us. And we pray that we are transformed today by being in your presence, by being in fellowship with one another, and by looking at your word. Let it speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, these are real barriers. And I want to kind of, I want to remove the whole Christian guilt that a lot of us grew up in, that I don't do enough, I don't evangelize enough, I'm not a good enough neighbor. That doesn't need to exist. Let's just acknowledge that this is hard. And for some of us, it's harder than for others and as Ben said last week this is simple but it's not easy but Jesus didn't say love your neighbor as yourself when it's easy we're called to love our neighbors and these things aren't road stops these are just barriers that we got to figure out a way around and and the whole purpose of church is that we figure it out together with a heart of grace and compassion and encouraging one another So this week, we're going to talk about time. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He said, love God and love one another. Because I believe that we can only do a few things really, really well in our life. In our lifetime, there'll only be a few things that you'll become an expert at. I think we should make one of them the thing that Jesus says is the most important thing. I don't think that is too much. And I think it is exactly what he's asking us to do. So we look at these barriers and we figure out ways around them. And this time barrier is, um, it's, takes on so many forms. And we start to believe lies as to why we can't do this. And, you know, if you're ever gonna love someone, Or show someone you love them. The biggest enemy to that is busy. It's being hurried. Because even if you're hurried and busy and you are spending time with someone, but you're not fully present, you're sending a message. You're sending a message that there's someone else, something else out there that's more important than my time with you right now. And I believe Jesus Christ is the best example for us. If you think of the life and the character and the person of Jesus... Do you think of him as, man, he's a, he's a doer. Go, 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 go. He's a taskmaster. That's Jesus. Do you ever come to the throne and you're praying to God and, and you hear this feel this image of God and he's kind of going, hey, come on, you're rambling, right? Stop saying blah, 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 Father God, blah, 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 Father God, blah, 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 Father God, or just, 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 all those things that we, we're not in a hurry with God. He has time for us. It's such a beautiful thing to think about. The creator of the universe has time for you. Jesus wasn't hurried. Do you ever think about Jesus and go, man, that guy should have accomplished more on his life. He didn't do enough. No. Jesus had the priorities of the main thing was the main thing when he calls out this love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he's, he's calling back to that first commandment that God gave to Moses, is that you shall have no other gods before me. Because your God, the thing that is your God, is the thing that you're submitting to to say those are whatever that God is, that's my priorities, And the conflict we have now, and this is why I have empathy for us that are struggling with this, because one, uh, we are... We are in a culture that elevates busy as a virtue. And I can't tell you, I know Pastor Ben has and I have and and our ministry staffs have, those who are reaching out and connecting with people who are at home, who are isolated, and we're talking to them about, hey, how are you doing? The conversation almost always ends with something like, well, at least I'm staying busy. Or, I'm busy, so it's okay. Okay. And we take comfort in being busy, because the world screams at us that busy is, is the priority. And busy is the enemy, because you can't love someone without giving them time. And if you don't have time, you've got nothing to share. This is called the Great Commandment, found in Matthew 22:37. Um, It's up on the screen. I've quoted it a few times. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to be looking at Luke 10 today, so go ahead and start turning there in your Bibles and devices. Uh, We're going to go back to the story of Mary and Martha. Um, As you're turning there, I want to share with this uh, um, these these barriers that we run into. And it's because uh, there's three, three lies that we believe. So start turning to Luke 10, but these three lies that we believe take, take us out of the game. They remove us from being able to love. And I've found that in my life, if I, if I am not able to carve out time to love, or if i feel like i'm so busy i'm not investing in relationship with people it's because i'm allowing life to happen to me instead of me to happen to life right and we just let the busyness of the day and the urgency of others dictate what we do with our time and that is a never-ending demand suck that takes all of our time. If Think about this. If I were to tell you two years ago that, hey, all of you who are commuting to work, guess what? You don't have to commute to work anymore. In two years, no more commuting. You're going to do all your work online. You'd go, man, that's like an hour a day I'm going to have back. Well, congratulations. Most of you have that now. Do you have an hour a day to fill with loving your neighbor and doing the projects around the house and being more slow and spending time with the Lord and no. Most of us has filled that new time that we have with new urgencies. And, and you hear it all the time. Like, I'm busier than ever. Instead of having three meetings a day that I drive to, I'm having 20 meetings on Zoom. And there's a thing now called Zoom Butt where you sit in front of Zoom so much your butt gets numb. And they're talking, <laughs> like, so many meetings that we just... And that's because we're just taking this posture of however much time we have, we're letting life just suck it up. And that's a never-ending thing. And there's three lies that we believe that stop us from doing this. One is things are just busy now, but they'll be less busy in the future. Just when I get on the other side of this project, um, things will be, be better. When we close this deal, things will be better. When this thing, when I graduate, things will be better. When I have a job, things will be better. When I have, I'll have time later. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Because there's only two things that are going to make your life slow down. One, you die. <laughs> two, you take control of your schedule. You start saying no to the things that are maybe good because they're not allowing you to do the things that are great. And I know I speak for Pastor Ben here because he taught me this. Uh, Even if that good thing might be too much volunteer work at church. You might be doing too many tasks at church. And let me show you what I mean. Let's go to the story in Luke 10, and, and then we'll come back to the other two lies. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Jesus tells this story, that, or we hear the story that as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister named Mary, and Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious, and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her now this is a rich rich illustration there's so many nuances to this interaction but the point for today is Jesus will always prioritize relationship over service he will always prioritize a personal Connection with someone over acts of love, acts of service. And that's what he's telling Martha. We can learn a lot from that. Because that flies in the face of our culture right now. That is prioritizing an element of the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of the world tells us that busy is king. Jesus tells us that love is king. Love is our priority. The second lie that we believe is that someday, something more, that next thing is going to be enough. That next thing is going to save us. That next thing, that next purchase, that next accomplishment, that next shirt, (laughs) that next blouse, those next pair of shoes, that next gadget. That next iPad, (coughs) this is all confession at this point. Uh, (laughs) The next thing we will feel fulfilled. And that that angst that we feel that there's not enough time and it's so busy, Heard that'll go away because the next thing, that's a lie that the world tries to push on us. The third lie that we believe is this is how successful people are, busy. Look at the titans of industry that we celebrate. Every one of them is known for working 20 hour weeks and living their brand and, and just, but at the end of their life, it's always the same old story. It's like an 80s band behind the music thing. It kind of just repeats itself and repeats itself. These, these great men and women, they accomplish great things and then they celebrate the end of their life and they're empty and lonely and sad. because they didn't elevate relationship and love over accomplishment and tasks. So everyone isn't like this. This isn't the path to success, busyness and accomplishment. That isn't the way. That's the way the world would have you go. But that is not the way. So if you look at all these lies, you realize that to live out this calling, to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's going to require that you go countercultural. It's going to require that you go against the grain, and in ways it's going to feel unnatural because the world's trying to go the other way. But yet, we are called to love, and we have to start taking control of our time and our calendar. And this is this is a this is a thing that. Uh, this will either be inspiring or convicting or a combination of, the both, of both, if you want to know what priorities you are living in, because you can say you believe something, right? But what you actually do is the only indication of what you really believe, right? Like you can think that something's good, but in the moment you believe that the other thing was better, it's kind of the nature of sin. But if you want to look at what you actually believe, there's two places to look. And I encourage you to do this and try to be objective. I was joking earlier that maybe Ben and I will start doing this as a ministry tool. We'll come and we'll evaluate two things in your life. Your bank account and your calendar. Those are the only two things that we have, any, that we have direct control over, right? If you want to talk about stewardship and we're called to be good stewards of what God's given us, resources and time. Where are we spending them? Because that's the best reflection of what you believe. And it's objective, and it's not like coming at it from a heart of condemnation. It's, if you feel condemned, then that's an indication that maybe there's some work to do. But you may look at your calendar and your checkbook and be inspired. Like, God is present in my life, and let's let that be an encouragement. But that's a really honest reflection that you can look at, your checkbook and your calendar. Oh, for you uh, millennials, a checkbook is a um, piece of paper. You write dollar amounts on it. Yeah, way different. When we go countercultural, we have to say no to good things so we can say yes to the great thing. God is good. God is good. There's two things here Jesus was never in a hurry, and no one ever thought Jesus should have done more. And God isn't looking at you through that lens, God isn't looking at you based on your accomplishments based on your achievements, based on what you have. Like God is evaluating you with one thing, a heart of love. Did you know that? Because sometimes we miss the point when you explain what the gospel is. What's the good news of Jesus? What's the good? What's the gospel that we're sharing? And and those of us maybe we grew up in a church. There's a religious answer, or maybe a doctrinally correct answer of what the gospel is. And that's that man is a sinful creature, and God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, and and Jesus lived a perfect life, and and died on the cross, and conquered sin and shame and death and fear and anxiety and everything that separates us from the joy of God when He resurrected and the tomb is still empty, and this is good news. But the heart of the gospel, what motivated God to do that? God actually loves us. There's actual feelings of affection for us. When he thinks about you, when he thinks about me, he can't help but be overwhelmed with the ultimate amount of agape love for his children. And he assured that when Jesus Christ had victory over those things. So we have it sealed and guaranteed that when God thinks of you, it's forgiven and free and white as snow and pure and righteous and pure in front of him. We stand before God that knows us to the depths of our core and sees us as worthy of his presence. He loves you. It's impossible for God to love us any less. And nothing we do will change that. It's impossible for God to love us anymore. Nothing we can do will change that. Romans 8:38 38, 39, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. God actually loves us. God just doesn't do random acts of love at us and for us. God loves us. And this is why the greatest command is for us to love God, be in love relationship with God, with everything we have, because God loves us with all of his heart and his mind and his soul and his strength. God loves us that way, and everything God gives us is designed for us to take and give to others our time, our money, and yes, his love. We are merely stewards, we're conduits, our life on this earth is, is a vapor. We get to love. What's a, Christians have the best job in the world. We're not called to judge people. We're not called to fix people. We're called to love people. That's good news. That's a privilege. What a great, great mission he's put us on. I don't know where I am on my notes. But this is good, right? God is good. God is good. I love being able to do this. Okay. Um, As we wrap this up, I want to remind us of a few things. Loving our neighbor as ourselves will cost you something. You're going to have to sacrifice something. Because I doubt any of you are here going, I just have so much time in my life. I don't know what to do. I think maybe I'll start loving my neighbor. I got free time. Maybe you do. God bless you. Come and love my neighbors. (laughs) Will you carry my burden with me? These acts of love that we tend to mistake for actual love if you see it the way God is saying it it's not a burden right because when we think of loving our neighbors we think oh great I got to go work and do this thing and I got to go talk to them that means I got to mow their lawn I got to wash their house and their gun I got to wash their dog I got to do whatever like I got to be their neighbor and "Ah, I just don't have time for that I don't know if I want to do that we're not called to do acts of love We're called to actually love. And when Pastor Ben asks us to write our names, write the names of your neighbors on here, that's your first step. Get to know the names and write them. I'm going to ask you to do the second step now. The second step is to pray for them every day. Get their name and pray for them every day because what you'll find is that when you pray for someone, what you're actually saying is, God, give me your heart towards them. Give me the heart that you have towards them and I believe this and you're going to have to stick with me here it's going to be a mind twister here but as a parent as a friend I love to see the people I love love the people I love I love to see the people I love love the people I love and God does too God loves your neighbor And when you pray for them, your heart is being aligned with his in an actual feeling of affection, of love, seeking the best, desiring the best for your neighbor. And out of that, come acts of service, acts of sacrifice, acts of love. But if it comes from a sense of duty, like you're trying to do this because my pastor told me to or because I'll be a good Christian if I do, that's a losing game. You can't get any more love from God. You already have it all. What do you do with it? Well, you live in it. You love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then his heart comes and transforms yours to where you actually have a heart of love for your neighbor. And that's God's plan for the world to know Jesus Christ. If this is foreign to you, if this is new to you, if this is something you're like I can't even see, like my neighbor has offended me so greatly, I can't even see a path to a way to forgive them, I wanna invite you to experience a life with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you will see that the transformation that happens in you when you give your life to Jesus, you do see a path to forgiveness. You do see a reason to overcome the offense and forgive. You do see a reason to overcome how you have offended them and ask for forgiveness because the relationship is rooted in a Holy Spirit-filled, agape love that comes from the heart of the Father and is transferred from us to our neighbors. The best thing that we can share with someone is the love of Jesus that overcomes the darkness. We're called to be a light in the world. We're called to be salt of the earth. And right now, more than ever, there is a darkness. I would say more than ever. More than my lifetime, (laughs) put it in perspective. There is a heaviness that we're all living in. Like, it is, like, for me, it's so strange to watch, look at you all wearing masks while I'm preaching. Like, and to see I've to preached to my church through a camera. Like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's, there's strangeness all around. Imagine the bright, shining light, one simple act of kindness and love can be from a neighbor right now. Like, now's our time. Times like these is when the church thrives. Now's our time to show the love of Jesus to the loved of Jesus because we believe that love changes everything. Now's our time. So when Jesus says to love God and love your neighbor, it's an invitation for us to adopt his heart towards the world. And you have a mission field, and it's called your neighborhood. We wanna help equip you to do that. If, you're making, if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, we wanna invite you to do that today. And you'll see a transformation in your life. The things that you think, oh, there's no way I could do that, but I kinda of want, I could see it. Like, there's something, there's a the Holy Spirit something that's prompting you. Make that decision today. Let us know today, we wanna to pray with you, Like, comment, let us know, reach out to us because we want to help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Get to know your neighbor's names and pray for them by name daily and you will see your heart transform and acts of love will come out of it. And I was reminded today by a friend in a lot of ways we're doing a good job of this in a lot of ways this isn't a, 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 a mission of condemnation it's an inspiration let's take those things that we're doing and let's keep doing them because we're already loved let's take that and share it with our neighbors let's pray Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've done for us and I thank you that we do not have to be living in fear. That we do not shy away from these barriers that exist in the world. We know they're there. We see them. We are not deceived by them and we claim your victory over them, God. This barrier of time, this, this, this lie that we believe that we just don't have the time or energy or, or the position or the place, God, I pray that you would conquer that. Through a heart transformation of your love, that we're called to give and share with those that you love. You love my neighbor as much as you love me. Help me to share that love. Help me to overcome my fears and failures and insecurities, overcome the lies of this world that would pressure me into taking away from the stewardship of time. God, help me be a good neighbor. Help us all to be good neighbors so we can see the world transform one neighborhood at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.